Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Hey, listen, good to see everybody. Good to have you online. Uh, just one thing we want to make mention of, you know how we do it during this era. We do the offering different than we used to. There are boxes here at the front, the boxes on the wall, and uh, you obviously can give online in a number of ways. And uh, let me say this to you. Man, you guys have been awesome. Um, through this whole era, uh, when this thing started, there was a lot of people, a lot of churches and angst over what was going to happen in terms of, you know, just a number of things. Finances. I mean, no, finances are important. Got to pay the bills. We got to have money for ministry. And let me say this. You guys have been phenomenal. And uh, let me just say I'm proud of you as a pastor. And let me say how much we appreciate it. And uh, so, great job. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. You know, I walked into my office this morning, and I don't know yet who gave this to me, but... There sure is a lot of truth in this mug. Somebody left me a coffee mug. And this is what it says. Be careful or you will end up in, one, in my sermon. <laughs> and, and there's a whole lot of truth to that. How, 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 many, how many, okay, let me, let me talk over here for just a minute. I talked to Micah and Bethany and, and, and Katie. And, and, you know, PKs know what it is that their life ends up in dad's sermon. Amen? Right? And uh, that happens in ours as well. So, any rate, good to see you this morning. Man, grab your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 13. We're going to read one verse. One verse. How many know it's a crazy time to be alive? Like, it's just, it's just wild. I, I, I don't even know what to think about some of what I see. I was just like, it, what is going on, good, bad, indifferent, has just changed so much of how we do things. I went to uh, breakfast yesterday more early, early with a young man. I haven't been to Denny's in ages. Let's go to Denny's and have breakfast. So we did that. And uh, so we went in and sat down. There was two of us and uh, one menu. And I said, well, they forgot the menu. Oh, the menu. And I said, can I, can I have another menu? No, we only give one per table now. Okay. And I just started laughing. I'm like, okay, whatever. All right. And then the, the, I know that, that the silverware, the, the knife and the fork are in the paper. Like they got a paper envelope thing they put them in. Apparently, the spoon has COVID because it's not put in there. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, try, I'm just trying to figure this stuff out. Like, how many know, like, like, there's some real stuff and then there's some crazy stuff. This is one of my favorite crazy stories of this whole era. And I'll, so, so whenever the golf courses opened up, which was a good day, Right back in May, I think it was. Okay, so the golf course is opened up and they had all these rules. You don't take the flag out of the hole because you're going to have to touch it and somebody else before you touched it. And so they put these little foam things in, all right? Let me tell you what, sometimes those foam things keep the ball from going in. But my game was a whole lot better because I counted everything I got close then. All right? No, I'm just kidding. Right? And, and so, you, so then you had to go out there and it had to be one person per cart. So now you got to force them. You got four carts. It looks like a train going down the fairway. Okay? <laughs> And, and so I, we get out there, and Eric and I go out, and I said to Barbie, I said, hey, Barbie. I said, you know, Eric and I live in the same house, so can we ride together? No. Okay. She said, we actually double-checked that with the governor's office today, and it has to be, even if you're in the same house, one person per cart. I said, okay, no big deal. I said, but what are you doing with husbands and wives? She said, separate carts. <laughs> so me... I said, so I just started laughing. So let me get this straight. So they slept together last night, might have had some fun, and then they drove out here together, and now you're putting them in separate carts to golf. Who is making this stuff up? 
<laughs> but in, regardless, how many know it is just changing our lives, right? In so many ways. And um, you can go crazy over it. Um, but I, was, I did a little podcast this week, and I began to think about this one verse and how it impacts our life. And uh, I, I want to talk to you today about the changeless one. How many know there is one who is changeless? He's just, he's just changeless, right? And, and we, we must understand that our faith is in the one who is changeless. It is not in a president who may or may not change in however many days. It is not in an economy that goes up and down and in and out. It is not, and, I, and I pray for you parents who are trying to figure out how to send your kids back to school. I pray for Jason and the people who are trying to make these decisions. Listen to me. These guys are dying because every day it seems like they're having to make a different policy, right, Jay? It's just change is constant. They're doing the best they can. Pray for them. Um, you're trying to figure out, you know, what do I do with my kid? Do I send them to school? Do I don't send well, You know, everybody's in flux right now. All right, and um, so we just got this ever-evolving, changing climate right now, and yet our confidence, our faith is in the one who's changeless. And there's such a confidence about that. The verse in Hebrews tells us this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I begin to think about that verse, and there's a lot of things I want to do with that in the future, but in for today, I begin to think about that. You know, when you see Jesus and you read him in the Gospels and you read about him in the Gospels, you read about this one who came to earth in the form of a man, and as he walked this earth, there were things that attempted to change who he was, to change his purpose, and I'll show you in a moment that those same things war against us to cause us to change in this ever-changing world in which we live in, and yet he remained faithful, he remained unchanged, and the Bible says he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's kind of like Penny being, like, living with me. I'm just consistent the same every day. <laughs> All right? So think about this. Now, we look at Jesus. Well, Jesus comes, and he's got a mission, he's got a purpose for which he lives, and yet, all of a sudden, there are these attempts that get to change him. First of all, how many know Satan attempt to change the changeless one through temptation? All right, so here's Jesus. He's got a purpose. His purpose is he's going to be the pure, spotless Lamb of God, go to Calvary, take away the sins of the world. And now here comes Satan tempting him to sin because if he could get him to sin, how many know he could change him? And if he could change him, he could change the outcome of what he was purposed for. Right? Now, listen to me this morning. So, so understand this. So how did he do that? Well, First of all, he came and he says what? He says, if you are hungry, how I many know there was no if about it? He just fasted for 40 days, right? I fast for 40 seconds, I'm hungry, right? And, and he's hungry. And now the enemy comes and says, if you're hungry, tell these stones to become bread. He tempted him to change according to satisfying the cravings of the flesh. Anybody here have flesh that has cravings? Anyway, how many know there are things that tantalize and satisfy our flesh for a moment? How many know gossip will satisfy your flesh for a moment? Right? Oh, it will. It'll satisfy your flesh, but how many know it'll wreak havoc in your life? It'll wreak havoc in other people's lives. There is a satisfaction that comes from satisfying the, the cravings of the flesh to sin in multiple ways where our flesh is fulfilled in a moment. Jesus, in a moment of hunger, in a moment where he was hungry, 
could have chosen to succumb to that temptation and forever he would have been changed and the outcome of his life would have been changed. How many know that when we fall to the temptation of satisfying our flesh, change comes in our life, right? All right, now, let's go on. No, let's stay there for a minute. Let's think about what else he did. He also tempted him, what? He tempted him with the pride of life. The same thing that happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. He says, he says what? He says, he says, throw yourself down off of there. George has an interesting take of this. Someday I'll have you share that up here about Jesus throwing himself off the top of the pinnacle. He said, but you know, you know if you are who you say you are, if you are the son of God, then you should be able to jump off the top of the temple and his angels will guard over you, right? There was a temptation, there was a pride issue at stake. How many of you have ever had your pride rise up? Oh, I got the most, I got the most humble Christians in all of Blair County, right? That your, how many of you have, okay, let me bring it down to grassroots level. None of you have ever gotten in an argument with your wife and your pride has rose up. Craig said, oh, yeah, that's okay. Steve Becker's back there. Oh, yeah, man. We all knew, okay? All right, just tell you. <laughs> that your pride, how many times have you sunk your teeth into a situation like a dog in a bone? And your pride has rose up, and your pride has been your demise, and your pride has led to division, your pride has led to strife, and your pride ended up changing a situation. And then there is bow down and worship me, and I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. That quest for power, that quest for authority. But Jesus didn't fail to any of these. He was the changeless one. He was the one who could not be changed by the temptation of evil. And understand this morning, that's what happens to us. There's a temptation. Politics tried to change the changeless one through the power of this world. Okay? Jesus made two warnings. He said, beware of the Pharisee, the, the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Religion and politics. Beware of both of those. And both of these came against his life in an attempt to change who he was, to change his core DNA, to change his purpose. Listen to me this morning. He had to come against that. It came against him. And yet he could not be changed through the politics that come of the power of this world. Religion tried to change the changeless one through conformity to a form of godliness that was void of power. The Pharisees were always in constant conflict with Jesus. They wanted him to conform to their religion. How many know their religion was not what, even we sometimes think that they were just holding up the law of God in the Old Testament. No, the law, they had the law of the Old Testament, but then they had all the things that they added to it that were man-made. Let me tell you something. The religion today, a form of godliness that denies the power of God, still tries to change believers, right? We still try, and what religion today still tries to do is take Jesus and put him in the box of religion and we try to form him according to our form of what religion is. When the fact of the matter is, we should be conforming to him. Religion has a way of bringing things in and adding things to that this is what it looks like. This is what Jesus looks like. I think we'd be surprised what Jesus really looks like. Religion has this way of creating roles, of creating legalism, of creating stuff that we say is Jesus and it's not Jesus. 
the Pharisees were constantly trying to shape him according to their form of what godliness was. They were constantly, he was constantly coming against them, right? Now, and then there was one other thing that tried to change him. Friends. His friends tried to change him through genuine concern for him and then also trying to get him to be like them. Yeah, okay, yeah, remember, remember when Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem? What's Peter say? Peter's like, no, no, that's not going to happen. You're not going to go there. If you go there, you're going to be killed. I'm not going to allow that to happen. I love you. I'm concerned about you. No, 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 no. You can't do that. To which Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Penny says that like three times a week. Some of you just got that. Think about this. How many times you see where his disciples were trying to get him to think like them, or there were times where he, they're concerned for him, right? And yet, there were many times that he had to reject the attempt of friendship to change who he was and what he was. These things were always trying to come against him. And so when you look at it, Satan tried to change him, religion tried to change him, politics tried to change him, and his friendships tried to change him. And yet, the fact of the matter was, in a world of change, the unchanging one was unchanged. He never changed. He never changed. He never adapted. He never changed into what that was trying to change him to, right? So, so, so let us think about this. So Jesus, Jesus was and is the unchanging one in a changing world. Even today, ladies and gentlemen, your faith is in the one that the Bible says doesn't change, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was and he is unchanging in a changing world. Jesus never changes. His, the culture of Jesus doesn't change. The DNA of Jesus doesn't change. The ways of Jesus do not change. They are consistent, all right? He, he, he was the one who was and is the unchanging one in a changing world. But here's the thing. He was and is the unchangeable one in a changeable world. Come on. How many know the world is changeable? The world is changeable, man. Like, like this world has been evolving and changing since the beginning of creation. It's going to change some more. It's going to change before this week is over. It's going to certainly change in November. It's going to change again. It is a changeable world. It is a temporary world. And yet, he's unchangeable. He's unchangeable. You see, but let me take it to us for a moment. So in our lives, just like Jesus, Satan attempts to change us through the temptation to sin. Anybody ever been tempted? Wow. That was like, let me think about that. <laughs> like, I, got, I, I got the best group of believers in the world. My goodness, we've all been tempted to sin. And we have all fallen to sin. And when we fall to sin, how many know there is a change sometimes? Listen to me. Go back to the beginning of creation. God creates Adam and Eve, puts them in a perfect environment, gives them everything they need. Everything in that garden was theirs to eat, except for one thing, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That one, you don't eat from. That one's mine. It belongs to me. Everything else is yours. It's good. And this is how you are to live. And yet... Satan comes, Satan tempts them, and when Satan tempts them and they fall to sin, how many know their very nature was changed? How many know creation was changed? 
How many of the world changed whenever man fell to the temptation of sin? Listen to me. How many know that some of you, your family has changed because somebody somewhere has fallen to the temptation of sin? Right? Hello? <laughs> Is that Mary? Are you calling me? <laughs> you see, why, why does he cause, want us to sin? Because if he can get us to sin, it will change the very plan of God for your life. God had a plan by which he created Adam and Eve, and it wasn't a plan to change. But Satan says, if I can go in and I can just infect and just get them to tempt them and get them to eat from that tree, I can change them. I can change the nature of the garden. You see, their sin actually caused pain in childbirth, weeds to grow, sweat of your brow. Everything changed when they fell. In our lives, Satan seeks to change our lives through tempting us to sin. In our life, religion attempts to change us through a conformity of religious exercise that is void of Jesus. How many of you can go to church without Jesus? You can have church services about Jesus, but how many know you can have church services without Jesus? I think we should have them with him. Hmm? You see, you see I, I think our lives have to be more of I go to church on Sunday as a religious exercise, and then mon Monday through Saturday, I live according to the world. Right? You see, you see, we don't need this religious exercise to go through. What we need is we need to have a relationship with Jesus, the unchanging one. Therefore, we're not conforming just to religious exercise. How many know religion keeps score? I'm in, I'm out. I mean, you have any people in your life that keep score? I can tell you i got people in my life who keep score. They can still remind me of something I did at 18. And they'll remind you of that when they're ticked off and angry at you. Religion is a scorekeeper, and it always leaves you in a deficit. Have I done enough today? I haven't done enough. I'm up, I'm down, I'm in, I'm out. Legalism about performing, right? And all of a sudden, I make it a whole lot of things that's not about Jesus. And I'm constantly changing. I'm up, I'm down, I'm in, I'm out, I'm left, I'm right. Like today, I'm more spiritual today because I have a suit on. <laughs> Actually, I wanted to preach hellfire and brimstone, so I put a tie on. Makes me angry. In a, in, in, listen to me. Religion will attempt to change you to a conformity to an exercise that is void of Jesus. That is what happened in his life. That was happening to the, 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 the apostles. Politics. Politics. We're living in a... Oh, my gosh. Did anybody know there's an election this year? <laughs> Do you know there's an election in November? Do you know that, that Trump could win or he could lose? I'm just telling you. I don't care what side you're on. There's going to be an election in November. And that election is going to change some things in our world. That's a fact of the matter. But yet it attempts to change us according to the power of this world. The church should never, ever, ever be married to a political party. Because it will be the church that gets corrupted. Because the kingdoms of the God 
are succinct and different is succinct and different than the kingdoms of this world. It is of a higher value, higher standard, higher core values, higher everything, and we need to ascribe our life to it because I promise you this is gonna, gonna bug some of you, but oh well, I have a suit on, all right? That even when you marry yourself to the kingdom of God, it will even put you in opposition to your favorite party at times. Because we are not the kingdoms of the world. We are the kingdom of God, right? And so what, what does politics do? Politics attempts to get us to buy this belief that I have to get political power in order to be effective in this world as a believer, which is an absolute lie from the pit of hell. You wanna be effective in this world? Be a person of the kingdom of God. Be a citizen of the kingdom of God. A citizen of the kingdom of God. Now, at times, being a citizen of the kingdom is gonna put you against some things on the left, and it's actually gonna put you against some things on the right, and vice versa. It just is, because you're training true to the king in the kingdom. Friendships attempt to change us through concern and also conformity. Listen, I've had people, when we have taken some bold steps of faith, that have tried to counsel me away from that. Okay, I get it. And that was out of concern, right? It was out of concern. And yet, you cannot do that if you truly have a word from God, right? There are people, how many know, have you, my, my mother, right? She's 82 years old. What? I think she looks good for 82. See, I just cleaned that up. See how I did that? Right? But in about 1976, she had to leave a religious exercise in the Catholic Church. She left her family heritage to come to this church when it was down there to chase after God, and yet was ostracized from a family for a season because she chose to leave that. And it was an attempt, no, no, you come back and conform to what you've always known. Let me say this to you this morning. There are some people well-meaning in your life that want you to conform to what you've always known, and you need to leave what you've always known so you can encounter what you've never known. You will never know what you need to know if you never leave what you've always known. Don't ask me to repeat that because I couldn't. And I want to say this. Even in the Pentecostal realm, there have been times where we have been uh, required to conform to what we've always known and missed what we've never known. Right? But in your friendships, there are times in your life and friendships out of concern, they're going to try to speak into your life and try to keep you and try to change you. But yet there's also that group, listen to me for a moment, there's also that group that's always going to want you to conform to them because we like, that, we like a homogenous group, don't we? That you think like me, act like me, talk like me, and don't you dare leave this group and get better. Don't you dare leave this group. And they're going to try to always pull you back into that ground of conformity and a homogenous, and it'll keep you. It'll keep you from things. But see, so all these things that came against Jesus still come against us, and yet here's where it gets good. The Bible tells me 
that when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says I become a new creation. The Bible says the old is gone and the new has come. How many know change entered into my life? And the Bible tells me this, that when that happens, here's what God does. The unchanging spirit of the changeless one lives in me. How many know the same spirit that lived in Christ lives in me? The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in me, right? Because here's what the Bible says. The Bible says this in Ephesians. In him, in Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the spirit of promise. Saints, the spirit of God dwells in you today. The spirit of God dwells in you today, lives in you, dwells in you, speaks it to you, is working in you, moving in you, right? And I've come to this place where I understand what, this is my definition of what sanctification is now. It is the Holy Spirit living in me, teaching me how to live in a kingdom I don't know how to live in. When I'm born anew from above, I am born out of this world into the kingdom of God. But I don't know how to live in the kingdom of God. I know better how to live in this world than I do the kingdom of God. And now the Holy Spirit becomes the guide, the teacher, right? My leader who says, no, 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 no. This isn't kingdom. This is, this isn't. That's got to go. This has to stay, okay? It's just like if I came to America as an immigrant, I have to learn how to live in this culture. The Holy Spirit is the guide that's teaching me how to become a citizen of the kingdom of God and how to live according to a value system of the kingdom, a culture of the kingdom, and he's simply saying, no, no, that's not kingdom, that's gotta go. Lying's gotta go, the stealing's gotta go, the gossip's gotta go. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, that's what I'm developing in you. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? So the spirit of God, the unchanging spirit of God, of the changeless one, lives in me, right? Okay, now, so, what does that mean? It means this, the unchanging spirit of the changeless one lives in me, therefore I am changed. How many know you're not what you used to be? Okay, this side's a little more excited than that side, okay? I got a few more hands over here. Listen to me, I got news for you, you can change. Some of you Tyrone people, you need to work on it. <laughs> right, listen, this is the beauty of the gospel. That I'm a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Thank Jesus, I'm not the same as I was at 24. Thank Jesus that we are changed by the changeless one, his spirit that lives inside of us. Some of you used to be addicts, you're free. Some of you used to be gossips, you're free. There's this change that takes place. When you look in the scripture, you see a guy like Peter who's changed. You see a man named Paul who used to be Saul persecuting the church until what? He had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And when he had an encounter with Jesus Christ, the persecutor became the apostle Paul. Brent Zimmerman, you used to be an addict, but Jesus found you. And man, you are a successful businessman who loves Jesus and radically saved, and you have been changed. Come on. I can go around this room and do that. unchanging spirit of the changeless one lives in me, therefore I am changed. Here's what the scripture tells us. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He lives in us. He dwells in us. He causes the deeds of the body. He puts them to death. How many know he's the one who kills the works of the flesh? Right? How many know we're the ones trying to breathe fire on them and he's trying to put them out? Right? The unchanging spirit of the changeless one lives in me. Therefore, I am ever changing. The good news is that when we get saved, the Bible says we're a new creation. But how many know that new creation is ever changing for the better? From glory to glory, the Bible tells us. We're being changed, transformed into the image of Christ. It's not, I got good news for you. You're going to be better next year than you are this year because of what he does in you. Right? How many of you would say this morning, and this is not lacking humility, but how many of you would say this morning that you are better today than you were two years ago because of him? Right? Doesn't he move in you, work in you? You see, Philippians, you know this verse. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. I am not perfect, but the perfect one is working in me. You see, because you got to know, I mean, you know, when, when Pastor Mike will tell you and Seth and the others will tell you, you know, that, that whenever you become a pastor, you're perfect. It's ridiculous, right? But there is this work that is taking place in us, and he never stops molding, shaping, transforming, ever-increasing glory. I'm constant. So because of the changeless spirit of God, I am ever changing. Philippians 2, you know this verse, I'm sure, right? For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Man, he is, he is the one working in you. He is the one that's working in you to will and to work for his good pleasure, right? That's a beautiful thing. You know, I, I think about this. There was one time where I was building, when I was building the addition onto our house. And you know, you, you go to work, you go home and work. You go to work, you go home and work. If you don't go to work, you go to work. Okay, that's a whole season where you're doing that. Okay, and I remember I went to Spain. And when I went to Spain, Rich Marr actually did the finished work on the drywall. That was something really refreshing knowing I was not there and work was being done. And I wasn't having to do it. Do you know there's a work in your life that you don't have to do that he's doing that you only respond to? That he's the one, he's not, he's not, he's not done with you. The, only, the fact of the matter is we need to respond to what he's doing in our life, right? That it's him who's at work in us. You see, the unchanging spirit of the changeless one lives in me, therefore, listen to me, in this era, I am unchanged. I'm not gonna run in fear in this era. I am not gonna be swayed to a political outlook on life when I have a kingdom of God outlook on life. Okay, in this era, you can stand firm, unchanged, because politics, because friendships, because this ever-changing world, this temptation of Satan, you stand unchanged. That you can stand firm, right? You don't have to be up and down, and in and out. That you're unchanged, that you're not gonna trade in your core beliefs because of what's happening in the world. You're not gonna succumb 
to the ways of this world because this world is ever-changing. You can be, un, I mean, you can be unchanged. You say, well, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, I read about these guys called the early church that Jesus commissioned and put his spirit in, and they were baptized in the spirit in Acts chapter 2. And then from that point forward, how many know? They went forth, and they went boldly forth. And how many know the religious came against them, the political came against them, there were others that came against them, and wanted them to change what they were doing and change who they were and change what they were about. And yet they stood unchanged in an ever-changing world. See, that's who you are. That's who we are. Seth. Katie, I remember years ago, one of the first things I ever watched when I became pastor was this thing by T.D. Jakes. I sent this to another person this week, and I use this often. You see, and, and, and this thing he called, he, he called it driving the bus, right? And, and this, is, this is what he said. He said, listen, pastor, listen. He says, listen, let me tell you who you are. You drive the bus. He said, this is who you're like. You, you get up in the morning. You go to your bus. You're the bus driver. It has a route. It has a predetermined destination, and you get on and you drive the bus. And along that route, people are going to get off and people are going to get off. Let them get on and let them get off, but don't you change the course. Let them get on and let them get off, but don't you change the destination. Let them get on and get off, but you go to where you're called to go. You drive the bus where it's to go because when you get there, you'll get to where God wants you to be. And I say to you, Seth, and I say to you, Katie, drive the bus. People are going to get off and people are going to get on. And there are going to be some people that need to be kicked off the bus. And that's a word from God. You love them and you let them go. But brother, drive the bus. Drive the bus. Don't look left. Don't look right. Don't you change the course. You get a word from God. You walk humbly. You drive humbly. You drive in the spirit of hum humble humility, but you do it with firmness because this is where God said we're going. You want to stay on the bus? We're going to get there together. You want to get off the bus? We're still going to get there. Drive the bus, brother. You see, there's times you need to be unchanged in this world. And how does that happen? Because the spirit of God that lives in you. The unchanging spirit of the changeless one lives in me. Therefore, I am unchangeable. In other words, now listen, that doesn't mean I can't sin. That doesn't mean I can't fall to temptation. That doesn't mean that times I miss it. But what it does say is that I don't have to be changeable. That I can be, that, that all the things that are warring against us right now, all the things that war against who you are in Christ, all the things that war against who you are in Christ Jesus, you don't have to be changeable according to the world. You will be changeable according to his image, though. Right? I like this one. I had to throw this in there. The unchanging spirit of the changeless one lives in me. Therefore, I will be changed forever. Come on, let me remind you of a scripture. Because sometimes I think we forget about this. Listen, Paul says, I'm going to tell you a mystery. We'll not all sleep, but we'll be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised in perishable, and we will be changed. How many know there's a day on the horizon where we will be changed forever and ever and ever and ever, and this body, which is mortal, is going to put on immortality, and we're going to live forever with Jesus. That is our hope, that when Jesus comes back, baby, I am going to get the Arnold Schwarzenegger body. <laughs> okay, maybe not. But the point is, listen, if nothing else, saints, if nothing else, believers, 
There is a day on the horizon where there is a change, and it is a forever change, and it is an eternal change, and it is an immortality change, right? You see, the unchanging spirit of the changeless one lives in me. Therefore, I am unchanging, unchanged, and changeable, but will one day be changed forever. Come on, Linz, let's give him some hope. It's not come on, Troy, it's come on, Linz. Look, he's taught her to go around Samaria too. <laughs> the changeless one, through his changeless spirit, lives in me. Therefore, I am a changeless one in an ever-changing world. I can be a changeless one. Why? Because now I stand firm, right? I stand firm in the midst of an ever-changing climate, an ever-changing world. And it doesn't come from me. It comes from the spirit of the changeless one who lives in me. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in me lives in you which gives us hope which gives us faith which gives us confidence in this ever-changing world it reminds you that you are not what you once were that you're a new creation it reminds you that he's at work in you on a daily basis ever increasing glory you're getting better and better by the spirit of god that the winds are going to howl and the waves are going to raise and the fear mongers are going to cre create fear and you're saying whatever man whatever I got one who never changes I got one who's the same as he was yesterday today and forever the world's going to change the climate's going to change the culture's going to change the economy's going to change politics are going to change the church world is going to change how we do church service is going to change come on it's okay you got more space now, isn't it nice? But there's one who doesn't change. And the beauty of it is, his spirit lives in us. His spirit lives in us. It's more than a theological truth. Yes, it's a theological truth. But it is something that breeds faith and confidence into who you are right now. Some of you have been brought down this week by the happenings of the world. I'm not saying we don't have a concern. Some of you have been brought down this week by the actions of family members. That their actions have tried to, to cause you despair. Their actions have tried to cause you, they, some have tried to manipulate. Some have tried to coerce. A whole lot of stuff. But here's the deal. And I'm going to quit with this because, you know, we need three endings. You take heart and you be of good courage because you have one who never changes. You have one who is unchanging, changeless, 
that you put your faith in. But His Spirit lives in you. His Spirit lives in you, dwells in you, breathes in you. And I promise you, I promise you, He's at work inside of you. So Father, this morning, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of who you are. Thank you for the changeless one, your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you said, I'm going to put my spirit in you. And Jesus said his spirit would guide us and lead us and teach us and comfort us. Convict us when we sin. And we say today, our confidence and our faith is in the changeless one. And we say today, Father, continue to make us and mold us and shape us and cause us to be one who is changeless. Not resisting change that is of you, but resisting the change the outside forces attempt to perform in our life. The temptation of the enemy, the politics of this world, friendships and religious exercise that are trying to get us away from your image. This day, we say our faith is in the changeless one. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Come on, stand with me. Sing this song. I think we're going to sing this song. We're going to sing this song? All right. Right? I want you to, as we sing it, it is the truth of what Scripture tells us.